to Gen Z on Leadership. I'm your host, Gabriel Gary, and today I'm lucky to be here with Mrs. Amanda Shepard. Shepard is the Chief Operating Officer and Vice President of, Fort, of the Fort Wayne Museum of Art. She has her BFA from Notre Dame University and over 15 years of leadership experience. Thank you for being here with us today. My pleasure, Gabe. Thank you. So I want to start by asking you, so you work in a museum. What made you want to work in the museum instead of going into any other field like education or anything like that? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, well, um, I actually, when I got to Notre Dame, I actually thought I would study uh pre-medical studies and go to medical school at some point. Um, I loved science, but I also loved art. I didn't think that art was a viable career path for me. And I knew that I wanted to earn an income. Uh, so, and, you know, when you, you go to a wonderful school like Notre Dame, you, you want to make the education count. So I definitely had my eyes on a career. So, I actually didn't do that well in my college biology classes. So I took that as a strong sign that I should not pursue a pre-med study path. I thought, okay, I really, I don't think I'm intellectually at the level that uh, I should be to pursue a medical degree. I think that I'm, I'm more attuned to the humanities and art, which was my other talent when I was in high school. So I, um, was struggling with the decision because I really did enjoy the sciences. Um, mm -hmm. I experienced the tragic loss of my father when I was a freshman at Notre Dame. And uh, that was early in, in the school year. So that was, that was September, my freshman year. So not long after I got on campus and moments like that in your life really cause you to make decisions and you make, um, you know, you, you sometimes you can be really confused, but other times you experience mental clarity and I experienced mental clarity and I thought, okay, I need to commit to art. It's what I'm good at. It's what I enjoy. It's what I'm getting A's in. So let's go with this. And again, at a great school like Notre Dame and many other colleges, um, you take so many other classes. You take English, sociology, theology, philosophy, um, math, science, of course. So my education was very well-rounded. And uh, what you get at a good school is you learn how to think and you learn how to be a self-starter. So I studied painting and art history and um that, um, excuse me, because I knew that I was excelling, I thought, I think this is going to be a career path for me. And the, what a viable career path for someone with an art degree is to work in museums. So I, I had my sights set on that pretty early on. I, I think I knew that I wasn't going to be a full-time painter that just didn't seem like I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't see that in my future. I, I wanted to work. I wanted to earn a salary and be a professional. So um, I'm from the Northeast Indiana area. So I interned at the Fort Wayne Museum of Art between my junior and senior years. And I, um, after I graduated from, after, after the end of my internship, I was asked to consider a full-time job there after my graduation. So, you know, it wasn't so much a, 
stark either or. It was just a series of developments over the four years of my college career that led me to work at the Fort Wayne Museum of Art. Mm. And like I said in the intro, you've been there over 15 years now, right? Yeah, so my internship was in 2007, and um, I was full-time starting in 2008. So uh, what is that, 16 years, 15 years? So how was your like leadership adapted since the growth of the museum, like in those in that time period? Oh, uh, so much. I mean, you know, when you start out as a recent college graduate, you're 21, 22 years old, you have almost no leadership experience. So to borrow the phrase, fake it till you make it, that's kind of what I did for the first, um, you know, year or two or three. Um yeah you're also diving headfirst into a lot of tough decisions. And the more you just get used to making consequential decisions, uh, the more confident you become at making them as the years go by. So I would say, you know, 15 years later, I'm, I'm more mature. Of course, I'm 38. Now I have more wisdom and that's just more life experience. Um, more people skills you, you kind of get a sense when you when you manage people you you kind of get a sense of human nature and you know everybody's different but there there is a repetitiveness to it there there are certain things you can expect in certain situations from people so that's helpful um not many things surprise me anymore i have more confidence uh, in myself, in my decisions, and in approaching difficult situations. Mm-hmm. How does being the COO compare to being like the your previous positions? I know you were the director of administration programs and even as an intern, how does it compare? Sure. Well, <laughs> you know, as an intern, you don't have a lot of responsibility and, and you can kind of, uh, you can kind of slink back from tough decisions and, you know, oh, I'm just an intern, you know, I, I just do this kind of work. And and when you carry a title like VP and COO, a lot rests on your shoulders. So, um, you know, some of those titles were, were just title changes. They weren't necessarily big changes in responsibility, but our management structure at the museum has changed quite a bit over the last 15 years, we've increased our staff size, we've increased our capacity, our horsepower, so to speak. Um, We have more bandwidth, we have, we're just doing more things. And so that has created the need for more management, more day-to-day management that the CEO alone can't accomplish. So um, we have three VPs on the staff. I'm the VP for operations. We have a VP of development and fundraising and then a VP for programs. So each of us takes a, a group of staff and, and kind of manages that. And then we all report up to the CEO. Mm-hmm. What does the typical day look like as the CEO? Well, <laughs> it can be very unpredictable uh, as a public facing institution, you are there to serve the community. So people come first and the needs of the public are the first priority. Um, Everything that we do is for the benefit of 
the public and is meant to be consumed by the public. Um, maybe consumed isn't the best word. It's meant to be um, a benefit to the public and, and used by the public. So everything is about a deadline. You know, we've promised the public that this is going to be on display at a certain time. So how are we going to make this deadline? Um, so much of it is about raising money and making sure that we're being responsible with our spending. Um, typical, what that usually means in a typical day is I'm in a lot of staff meetings, guiding staff and helping them make decisions. So much of my job is helping staff to make, make good decisions. And um, again, that is a fruit of experience, but the goal there is also to make your team um, self-sufficient and to take pride in their own work. Oh, I help solve problems all the time. I untangle difficult situations. I take on the things that no one else knows what to do with. Um, and then, of course, in operations, your job is to make sure that everything works. Is the building working? Is the budget working? Does the staff uh, know what they need to be doing? Does the reporting structure make sense? Mm -hmm. um, did everybody's paychecks land on time? Uh, all those things that make it run, I have to make sure that that gets done. Right. Um, and then what's the biggest lesson that you've learned throughout all your positions from intern all the way up to VP? Ah. <sighs> listening to your gut is a better tool than I think I would have thought 15 years ago. And it doesn't mean, you know, you're being impulsive. It just means that if you think that something could go wrong or is going to go wrong, you're probably right. I've learned that lesson so many times where, you know, I haven't asked the what if question. What if this happens? My job is to to look out for all risks um, to the point where it can be kind of annoying to the other staff because you're you're always thinking in potentially negative ways. Um, you know, sometimes we have to get a. Uh, armed security for certain events. And nobody likes the thought of having um, an armed police officer there. But, you know, chances are nothing bad is going to happen. But if something bad were to happen, you'd really wish you'd listen to your gut when you thought, I think we need to have a, have a police officer here. Um, you know, in this day and age where bad things happen it seems more often than uh maybe th they had in the past we just it's my job not to take those kinds of chances so anytime i have that gut feeling that mm -hmm. hey we should set up a safeguard for this situation even if it's going to cost us extra money even if it's going to be a little bit of a hassle even if it looks like maybe it's too much um and not even necessarily with with police officers we're talking like hey, if this fundraising event doesn't go well, do we have a backup plan to raise that money if it if it doesn't go the way we think it's going to go? Mm -hmm. Or, hey, you know, a week from now, we're supposed to get sub-zero temperatures and six inches of snow. Are, do we have a plan for plowing 
um, uh, salting and maybe closing the museum. Again, it's, it's, it's all about contingency planning and listening to your conscience when your conscience is telling you, you need to do something about it. Because if I don't do something about it, then who is? I mean, that that's kind of going back to what I said earlier about carrying the title of VP. Um, I shouldn't expect my staff with less responsibility to handle something like that. I'm the one that needs to initiate a plan and have them uh, participate in executing it. Mm -hmm. And what is your favorite part of working as the VP right now? Well, so Fort Wayne is the second largest city in Indiana. It's not a huge city, but it's not a small city either. It's it's a wonderfully sized city. Um, so second largest city in Indiana. Um, we have one of the largest museums in the state. We also have the largest public collection of contemporary studio glass on display. And all of those things point to the fact that this museum is growing. It means something to a lot of people. And to know that I play a key role at a place that means something to a lot of people is very rewarding. And that's what I enjoy about being a leader, especially. Mm. Um, and you've definitely been there a while. So you've seen what uh, your uh, bosses or administrators have done. And even at Notre Dame, you've probably seen, was Monk Malloy there when you were there? Uh, he was, um, I think he had stepped down the year before I got there. And, and I think my first year was when Father Jenkins was president. So yeah. what, what qualities do you think them or any good leader possesses? Well, I don't know that I can speak um, with a lot of knowledge about either of their two leadership positions. But the little that I do know is that um, both seem to have humility about them. Um, they're both priests, so I, I hope humility is, is part of it at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but also humility in the face of a lot of pressure. I can only imagine what the pressure is like to be a university president. And if I take that lesson and apply it to my own leadership, um, I, I think that courage is very important. And Courage doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that you're going to do anything or you're going to take a lot of bad risks. It means that you're going to do the right thing, even if people don't want you to do that thing. It also means that you need to come to understand what the right thing is. You, you have to make a judgment in a lot of situations and um, you have to make decisions you know, so that that necessarily means that I will do this thing and I will not do this thing. So you might disappoint people who wanted you to do the other thing that you didn't do. But, you know, in, in making a decision, you're actually choosing one path over another. So it takes courage to make those decisions. Um, You want to take into account what what is the what is the greatest amount of good I can do given my circumstances? Not every decision is 100% perfect. Sometimes 
you know, you think, well, given my options, they're not, three of them are not my favorite, but maybe this fourth one isn't the worst one. And, you know, just sometimes given difficult circumstances, you may have to choose something that um, isn't perfect, but will create some good given the difficult circumstances. And finally, what advice would you give to young and new people wanting to lead in any field? One of the best things that I did to help me learn was, well, I'll I'll back up to um, high school and even middle school. So uh, I think it's important for young people to have a job as soon as they can start working. And the job, I think it's also important for young people to learn to do some kind of manual labor. Um, My first job was I worked um, for a family friend who owned um, a lot of acres of cornfields. And it was seed corn. So I don't know if you're familiar with this, Gabe, but for seed corn, you have to detassel it and you have to detassel it by hand. And if you go into a hundred acre field and pull out the tassels that has the pollen on it so that it doesn't cross fertilize, that's what you have to do. And it was long, hard, grueling work. Um, but I'll never forget, um, I'll never forget the work of that first job and how difficult it was and how grateful I was to have done that kind of work. Um, I was also a waitress in the summers, which is really difficult work because of how um, unpredictable customers can be and learning how to serve people and to be friendly and calm, no matter the circumstances, even if they're mad at you, that's a good leadership skill to acquire early on. And I think working in a restaurant is is a good thing for young people. Now, you don't have to work in a cornfield or work in a restaurant to acquire those skills. But I think the lesson in what I'm saying is that um, don't ever think that you're too good to do a certain kind of job because one day you might be leading people who do those kinds of jobs and they are going to need your leadership to help them do their job well. And you are going to need them to uh, support whatever organization you're in. Every person is important. Mm. The other thing that I would say is, um, let's say you do get a job at a, you know, in the government or uh, in a nonprofit organization or university or some, some place that is, you know, in your career path say yes to as many projects as you can, you know, before you get married, before you have kids, you have so much free time and so much energy. And those early years of your career where you accept this job that maybe you don't know how to do, your your manager, your boss says, hey, you want to do this project? I would encourage young people to say yes, even if they don't know how to do it. Um, That's how I got into administration. I I mentioned my degree is in painting and art history. So how how does that translate to running a nonprofit? Well, one of the first projects I did was I 
purchased um, furnishings for the museum when we were undergoing a renovation. So I, I, I had a budget and I, I bought office chairs and cubicles and different things like that. That's not anything I learned in art school, but it was the first time that I learned how to manage a budget, make decisions, which were consequential decisions. You know, I was tasked with buying the right thing and staying within a budget. I didn't know what I was doing, but I had some really generous managers who let me run with that. And that's where I realized that I liked doing that kind of thing. So in summary, I would just say to a young person, try to do some manual labor in your teen years and in your early career, accept as much of a workload as you can, because it's going to, it's going to flex your muscles in the future and help you become a stronger leader. Well, thank you so much. Those are my questions. So thank you. today's episode and want to learn more and support the podcast follow us on instagram at gen z on leadership and subscribe to our youtube at gen z on leadership if you want to learn more about the podcast you can check out our website which is gen z on leadership.com again that is gen z on leadership.com and as always stay tuned for all new episodes we try to post two to three a month